Okay, so this is the Spiky Bebop once again, and I had to do this podcast. I just hit a spliff with uh, THC wax in it, and uh, this is completely obscure because it has nothing to do with, you know, the subject matter of my podcast series. I just thought it would be obscure uh, to know, you know, this isn't under the influence. It's just kind of like a daily thing, but... Oh no, I've never been a purveyor of telling someone to smoke weed, so definitely save all the weed for me. Uh, Send your weed, uh, any endorsements, shamelessly plug, and and I'll just talk about your brand. My name is V. (laughs) Uh, Brother English, but you can just say V. Uh, So, yeah, this is the weirdest podcast series that I like to call on the internet. Uh, or Spotify if you want to be all persnickety about things. But definitely shouts out to anyone who listens to the podcast series. I appreciate it so much. Uh, <laughs> the more and more you guys support the art, the more intricate uh, it becomes. And I get the liberty of doing uh, different things and adding different elements to uh, what it is that I, I include in my story. It's an interesting notion uh, just because I've always been you know, very forthcoming in what I bring uh, for my content. And uh, I've always, you know, been thinking of myself, as I say, as speaking on a TED Talk and having a subject matter that is of substance. And for one, this isn't something that you can just, you know, listen in, chime in every day or two uh, from your car if you're (laughs) going from here to there. Uh, it's kind of like a series or something that you could just chime in uh, if you are a writer, if you're a creative, uh, if you're just, you know, an illustrator or whatever. And uh, just from another artist's perspective of what uh, content he's doing and crazy ideas that pop into his head, which always and forever half in the day uh, is the consideration of my day to day. And regardless of what I'm doing, uh, that's always the case. And I had to do that today of just rejotting some things down. It's really cool, and uh, I always appreciate doing so. And not every artist is the same. Uh, generally, you know, a creative process for an artist uh, details certain things. Uh, they generally, you know, go to different places. Uh, it could be weeks, it could be months, it could be, you know, days uh, by comparison, but I never like to compare, you know, someone's art style with the next. So that's generally what Spiky Bebop is, and also me paralleling it and talking about how it ties into my own story. So, yeah, say that all five times fast and hit a spliff with wax in it, and then you'll be like, yeah, how did this guy just piece that together? Yeah. (laughs) So, where I'm at right now is, this is 2023, and this is before I even do an interview, and I wanted to comment and talk about, you know, just my writer process and how I always tie it into my current story that I'm working on, but then too, how I get re-inspired by the things that I've done uh, in my first book, second book, third book, and uh, subsequent, the fourth book that I just finished last year. These things that I include are not so much based off of ego versus me generally being interested in my story itself. And I have that general interest in it, 
because I would want to, you know, have someone do uh, a story like this. And if they did, I would generally have that same interest in the story and always check and chime in uh, if the story, you know, uh, where it was, you know, where the progression had gone, what the artist had did, all these little, you know, picks and cues. And so generally, you know, you want to be your biggest fan when it comes to the things that you're doing. You know, uh, as an artist, as a writer, uh, what feels good and what doesn't. What feels like you put your best forward or foot forward and if it's intricate and you know if it's, you know, sauced up. And I, you know, inevitably feel this by doing different genres, by doing music or by writing things. And I always, always, always feel this sense of confidence uh, just in myself. And once again, it's not based in ego. It's just, you know, a trial and error thing that I've done <clears throat> where I've pieced together, you know, ideas and taken the time to go through them. And it just comes naturally if I would jot something down and then come back to it later. And not every artist has to do so. And, you know, super rapper uh, or, you know, hip hop artists, their uh, writing process, they can generally, you know, have a set scheduling or, you know, be very root with how they go about it. Those are really cool things that I always appreciate, but <clears throat> it's another when <laughs> there's comedy or there is a goal uh, in the ultimate process. And for me, I'm like, yo, the process for me and the processing of how I want to go about this is very unorthodox. Very, you know, something that I know I would be excited about because every day would be different. But then, too, the things that would inspire me, you know, would inevitably come to the forefront and be completely random. And this was one of those days where I was looking into, you know, a story uh, in Chinatown, a crazy title to the film. It was a different time period, the 1970s, and, uh, you know, a Jack Nicholson film. And uh, I remember watching this for the first time, and... I don't remember the specific details other than it being uh, very reminiscent of a film that I had seen previously uh, called The Black Dahlia. And uh, not just in, you know, it trying to take place in the same time period of the 1930s, but, you know, obviously the Chinatown movie with Jack Nicholson took place in the 70s and The Black Dahlia probably, what, 2006 or something like this or 2009, whatever the case may be. Uh, both films equally having that sleuth or uh, film noir-esque uh, mentality. Literally, there's I probably, I, I'm pro like nine times out of ten, you know, like I'm pretty sure the score for Chinatown had uh, some Oscar nod to it or something like this just because of the jazz music playing and it's setting a different scene and an ambiance to uh, the film, and uh, completely random, like, just random as the random you could think of, of a story of this character bumbling through uh, a murder case, but then, you know, ultimately coming to this fruition of this futility. And it's very Shakespearean of, you know, how one could look about the drama of it, and him, you know, cascading through these 
web of not lies, but just a web of interactions between people and him ultimately, you know, being in play, uh, not as just a character, but just as how they, uh, as the characters in the film, uh, utilize him to their advantage uh, versus uh, him actually knowing uh, what was going on. And it's a really cool interpretation that I always take the consideration of how a writer uh, introduces someone, introduces a character, introduces their nuances, uh, their speaking patterns, and a great artist as far as a despian or as a, um, how would you put this, a performer is always the one to have their own style in doing so. And uh, those are the things that are appreciative. And uh, what people emulate, you know, their speaking patterns, their, you know, pitch, their voice. And uh, that's when, you know, over a period of time, if people remember it, <clears throat> they start, you know, claiming it as iconic because everybody, you know, remembers that scene or they remember uh, that performance. And this is one of those. And uh, this is just, you know, indicative of an artist's uh, style, not saying that this was his only one, uh, but it could definitely correlate as to how a writer could see him writing this in another light. <laughs> you could definitely see someone writing a different sleuth or a different program or a movie uh, with this exact same character. And uh, that's generally where my imagination started running uh, when I saw this earlier today. And I was like, yo, man, what if this character had something else to do? It did this. Okay, okay, okay. And then I just left it. And now, looking back, uh, definitely having someone investigate certain things uh, in uh, this world that I had crafted is an interesting but then very tepid subject because it's very sensitive. Uh, people's memories are very sensitive. And so thinking of someone, you know, asking very personal questions uh, or personal accounts. Uh, it's not only, I would say, just a dangerous gig, but something that would, you know, correlate into many different things. I also watched, uh, interestingly enough, another sleuth film, and I'm trying to think of what started or springboarded this, uh, me doing so, because I love uh, watching film noir. Now, film noir is a general... Uh, subject that is obviously and and started in black and white and it generally like I, I'm trying to think of most instances where comedy had slipped in there or a joke had slipped in there or Humphrey Bogart had said something very slick but I'm trying to think of something else that was like super more like super like cold just full of sauce like, like styling and, uh, yeah, I, I could think of, you know, an instance of, uh, not the Maltese Falcon, but, uh, to have or have not, where he, she slipped in some comedy in it. And, you know, taking a little bit of cues from that, I have to take some time into consideration of how he slipped his wit into a story. Because, like, like I say, like, I'm just, you know, breaking down uh, the ins and or the outs of how I go about, you know, creating and crafting these stories that are completely and irately random as fuck. Like, I, I can't even really even describe it as anything else but completely random and science fiction. <laughs>
purposely so and not even as to comment on you know science fiction and on the last podcast series I said I would you know talk about it a little bit more about the laughing man and you know the processing of uh, just a character in a world of zero anonymity and how you know that is obscure and you gotta have a thinking cap of you know science fiction when approaching my story and nothing more it's just like if it was Star Trek or something like that but I'm trying to explain to someone if this is like an issue or a problem or just hypothetical you know and like suspending your belief with imagination of a character of you know having the importance of uh, I don't even want to say like a dreamscape and you know an urban legend existing in the time period 20 to 50 years and you know someone existing someone you know rumored to exist and then you know interacting with the general public or the billions of people at will you know on a daily basis just off of I guess a characterization of an anime character or something like that <clears throat> no one generally goes out and says that they're going to do something and literally goes and does it and makes a, fan, a, a, a fanatical, you know, show about it. Unless they're like, you know, I guess a, a super basketball player or a fighter or something like that. And to have this, you know, I'm crafting these as the character in my story based off of these sleuths. And, you know, finding something and going to this proverbial, not underworld, but, you know, the underside of the city or the business side of the city that usually you would not have seen if you had just looked at the surface and how to craft that how to layer it is the thing that I'm working on and like I see it and it's not so much you know what is this um I, I believe that one movie not meta metapocalypse or something like this that's a crazy anime from uh <laughs> Cartoon Network but uh I'll come up with the name of the film it's an older film and it was in uh, 2001, I think, and then, you know, in the early, 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 early films, like two, 1920s or something like this. But basically, it, not in that fashion of what, you know, a futuristic society would look like. It would totally be something completely obscurely different, but like with veins or something or with, you know, transistors. And I gotta like regraft it and rework it because I've got like a few different you know, settings in the book uh, that mirror this but are completely different in themselves. So those are one, you know, of the considerations and I'll come up with a name for it and rework it and the thing of comedy that I'm still, <laughs> still you know, perfecting is this thing of wit. And uh, this is the last thing and before I, you know, chime out is that it's so funny though because it's one of those things that you can't quite put your finger on, but it's always not a uh, slapstick aha. You know, I said it's so, you know, subtle. And I always wanted to make it one of those subtle things that people have to read twice and then get, you know, a different sensibility of something. And then they have, you know, uh, or feel like they, you know, unearthed or something or decoded a different uh, message or rather a twofold message just by reading it. And uh, primarily where I started, this whole, you know, comedic thing was just two characters uh, talking with one another about how to dress. 
in a world where everyone forgot their memories. Literally, like, <laughs> the most, you know, uh, simplest of things and how to determine what uh, would be fashionable, what would be uh, a dress code, and why someone would delineate uh, someone to dress a certain way uh, when no one truly even remembers any of what <laughs> dressing is about or why one would choose to do so in the first place. And, you know, how they came to this realization is the funniest of things of, you know, coming to like a club or something like this or uh, going to, you know, a specific place and having a bouncer and then saying like, oh, well, this is acceptable or this isn't. And then these, you know, I actually started these with two women uh, inspired by real life characters, but uh, I just, you know, completely changed them, completely just, you know, obscured the conversation and made it completely hilarious uh, as them sitting in like a coffee shop or something like this. And I, I will work on this and I'll come back to you guys uh, with a few, you know, references, uh, some names and changing the setting. And I wanted to describe, you know, just basically the background, a little bit more how the settings look, uh, how the buildings look and how it interacts with the people. So uh, I'll talk about the Ghost in a Shell complex character and how that's impactful, uh, you know, 20 to 50 years from now and what we look at as uh, zero anonymity, as we look at as, you know, entities online, as we look at ourselves as a society. So science fiction all the way. This is V, a.k.a. Vernon English. If I can make my book, uh, you can make your uh, project work as well. So peace.